most people who doubt you doubt you because they can never see themselves doing what you are trying to do. David Goggins. You're listening to Podnuts Pro, your podcast for IT business support. Tips to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Podnuts Pro. I am your host, Marvin B. And tonight, we are supposed to be joined by two people, but it looks like we lost one of our guests right as we were starting the show. So hopefully she'll come back on. But I am joined right now by Glenn Capen from Defendify. Glenn, how are you? Good. How are you doing tonight? I am doing good. And... uh if she joins us again, Shanna Utgard, also of Defendify, they are both success managers and probably over the last two weeks, my best friends. I've spent more time with you than I've spent with my wife. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great getting to know you. And, and uh, yeah, we've been been working together every week. And, and uh, yeah, so we were, I was, you know, me and Shanna were both excited to do this tonight. And um, yeah. I'm going to send her a text to see where she went, but uh, see if we can get her back on too. All right. The joys of live podcasting. So let me go ahead. And while you're doing that, I will say, folks, thank you for tuning in. If you are watching live or listening, this is Podnuts Pro, your podcast for IT business support. This is a podcast where we help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We try to share products, stories, and tips. And tonight we are going to do a little bit of everything. As we're waiting for our guests, I do want to say thank you and do just a little bit of housekeeping. We are in December. And first of all, I should say that my December is always different than everyone else's December. Uh, Glenn and I were talking before the show. You were having a little bit of coldness up in the state of Maine, correct? Yeah, we're we're pretty much the polar opposite of what you guys got today. Uh, I think it was 24 degrees, snowing all day. For us uh, seasoned Mainers, it was uh, kind of a mild storm. Uh, we, we'd call it a, a dusting of snow. It was like three or four inches. So, mm. um, but business as like up here, three or four inches of snow. It's business as usual. People are still driving around. The guy that plows my driveway doesn't even come when it's only three or four inches. So, just uh you know, sign of, uh, what's to come, I guess. And yes, the complete opposite here. We, we almost hit a record high 89 degrees. That sounds high to most people on a regular basis, but that isn't even close to our high in the summer and our high in the winter, uh, I believe was 91. So we were at 89 today and I changed into shorts because it was so nice. And uh, joy, as that is. So as we go through December, I should let people know that there's only a few more podcasts that I will be doing this year. Uh, I have an audio podcast that I think I'm recording on Monday. We have another live show next week where we will have Kramer Snugs on the show. And December 22nd, 
will be the last show of the year. That will be the holiday show. And it is going to be, I think, a very fantastic show. There will be several uh, friends of mine that will be popping on and saying hello. We will revisit some of the podcasts from earlier in the year, some of the highs, some of the lows. We will be trying to play Christmas music as well. So that will be our live show and the last of the year. I hope that you all can join us and participate. And even though Amazon has had some issues, the internet has had some issues, I hope that if you are still doing your Christmas shopping, that you head over to Podnuts Pro and click on the Amazon store and do your Amazon purchasing through that link. Everything stays the same to you, but if you make a purchase after using my link, the show will get a little bit of kickback and I can keep bringing you these fantastic shows, more products, more tips, more vendors, and like we said, all in an effort to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. While you're there, you can also look through the episode guide. You can go back and search for your favorite uh, guest over the year. You can look for topics. And uh, no, Chris, we will not be doing spite eggnog on the Christmas show. I have <laughs> I have equipment that I have to run here, but that doesn't mean that our guests might not be partaking. So that uh, that could be happening, but not by me. All right, so I guess that storm up there, Glenn, has uh, kept your colleague yeah, she, from joining us. She said the uh, the browser stopped connecting the camera and mic, and she's tried seventeen times to get back on. So I'm not <laughs> not sure what what's going on. Uh, yes, show friends, we actually did do a pre-show testing here, and she was on and just fine. And uh, I guess she didn't like my music. I'll have to change the show music and see if I, that does. I don't, it. I, I, you know, like I said, she, she was the rock star. She probably had some demands and that, you know, on the rider and, you know, you didn't put the green M&Ms in the, the my, green room for her, you know. And. My, my staff didn't do their research and, <laughs> and didn't have something just right waiting in the green room for her. Stormed out. Wow. Yeah. All right. So here's what we're going to do tonight, folks. We will be giving you some education here. We're going to talk about a $2.1 million mistake that led to some of the great things that Defendify has done over the last year or so. This is a company that I'm surprised. I I may have heard about you guys years ago, but I really didn't have you on my radar until a few months ago. And I finally said, you know what? I got to give these guys a look and see what's going on. And so far, so good. So, Glenn, while we're waiting for Shanna, why don't uh, you tell us a little bit about yourself and your uh, position there at Defendify? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been with Defendify for about two years. Uh, initially, um, was solely an acquisition, um, you know, as I kind of learned the, the platform. And um, within the last year, transitioned more into our partner channel with, uh, you know, success management and kind of that side of things. So I have kind of a hybrid role where I, I am working in acquisition to bring on new partners, uh, but then kind of taking them on the journey and working with them as they implement Defendify into their stack of tools and, um, you know, making sure that they're successful. So uh, it's kind of a, it's a pretty cool role to have. You hear a lot of great stories, you learn a lot. And in the process, you, you know, see 
you know, the partners that are using the platform become successful selling it as a solution to their customers and, you know, really kind of get an insider view on, on what's happening in the industry. All right. And there's a lot of different components to Defendify. We'll talk about those a little bit later. Um, I don't think she's going to make it back. She may not. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's all right. You get to be the star of the show. That's yeah, it's just, uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I, you know, I, I can kind of, you know, if you wanted to, uh, I briefly know the story about what happened to Shen. I think it's, it's kind of a, funny story in and of itself. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and, yeah, let's go ahead and do that because I think that's, yeah. that was obviously the first thing that caught my mind when I first heard her on another, I think she was on a webinar and she said the story and I said, okay, it's kind of interesting that somebody would just volunteer that they, uh, that that happened to them and to be working for a cybersecurity company, although that's not quite the story. So why don't you tell it? Right, right. And and it may have taken her a little bit of time to be able to kind of own up to the mistake. I'd, I don't know if it were me. I, I'd probably be in hiding for a few months. Uh, but at the time, she it was well before she was in cybersecurity. She uh, was working in um, uh, for a title company as a paralegal. Obviously, at a title company, money's just flying in and out. And, you know, there's a lot of room for, for error, um, but also potentially, you know, someone, you know, convincing you to wire money to an account that is not an authorized account. And that's essentially what happened. She ended up wiring $2.1 million to a cyber attacker. Um I, I think that might have ended her career at that office. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly how it played out. Uh, but shortly thereafter, uh, I'm not sure the time frame. She uh, saw one of our co-founders, uh, Rob Simopoulos, giving a, a talk on cybersecurity, and you know, being that that had happened, it really resonated with her, and she wanted to do her best to help others not make the same mis- mistake that she did. So that's how she found herself here, and. Um, thankfully she hasn't wired any more money to cyber attackers since then. So especially since she's been working with you. Yep. So how long has she been at the company? Ah, she's, I think three or four years. Okay. So of course, if she, if she does make it back, I will ask her a couple of questions about that. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting that she did that and now she works for a cyber company. Yeah, it's it, it kind of a, a series of unlikely events. You you wouldn't. Yeah, I, I guess it kind of makes sense to some degree. Uh, a lot of times, if you can speak to you know by experience, people listen. So, you know, I think when you're willing to tell people that, hey, I wired two point one million dollars to a cyber attacker, uh, but I'm here to help you, and I can help you prevent you know yourself from doing the same thing. I think that resonates with people. It does. It does. And if you're watching live or watching the replay on the video, I'm actually trying to uh, see if she will come back in by audio and I'm setting up the phone to, uh, if she's able to do that, that will get her on. So that's what I'm working on and the joy of live podcasting. So let me flip that over. See if she's able to do that. If she can't connect, there we go. So we are ready if she's able to join us by that. Okay, so let's do this while we're waiting. Let me go ahead and get out some of the 
commercial stuff that we were going to do later. I'll just go ahead and do it now. And ladies and gentlemen, Hotnuts Pro is presented to you by NetAlly. You need an ally in the networking field. You have heard me over the years, if you've listened to the show, talk about my handheld testers. I've got my bag right back there. Uh, all the tools that will help on the front line to discover and diagnose networking issues there. And uh, netally.com is the place that you want to go to check them out. You can also contact me if you ever want to chat with me about the tools and see which one might be good for you from the Link Sprinter 300 to the big old Etherscope in XG. And Computers Done Right, computersdoneright.com. Uh, great company there in the channel helping us not only with uh, websites, but computer support, managed services, a Florida man. All right, looks like uh, this might be it. Hang on just a second, folks. Hello, is this Shanna? Oh, and she hung up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there we go. Is this the talent? Hang on. Shanna? I have no idea what just happened there. Hello. Hello. There she is. (laughs) Well, you know. I had to make an entrance. You certainly did. And five years of doing this podcast, never had that happen. So thank you, Shanna. (laughs) Yes. Happy, happy to be the first one. Uh, please, everybody, accept my official resignation from the uh, IT industry. I'm <laughs> gladly see myself out. <laughs> ah, so, ladies and gentlemen, Shanna Utgard, also a success manager over at Defendify. Shanna, uh, we introduced you and told your story. Um, I hope that Glenn said it properly. Um. <laughs> oh she, she yeah, probably, she, she probably he's probably heard the story. <laughs> yeah, so he talked uh, about the basically fact. Basically, in a nutshell, I wired two point one million to a cyber criminal, and that was before you worked for this company. So, um, how long before you? I was a real estate paralegal. Yeah. Yep, and uh, there was a, a mail-away closing on the seller's side of things, and I sent all the documents off. They were all signed. They were sent back. It was just one of those closings that was difficult the whole way through, and we got to the day of closing, and I was like, yes, just be over. Um, sorry, former bosses. but uh, And then last minute, we got a wire change, and I you know, made everything, updated everything, and this is before we had any clear policies in place or any type of uh, cyber training or anything like that, and... $2.1 million went out to the you know Chase Bank account instead of the Bank of America Bank account. There were so many details of the transaction that were referenced in the uh, the email itself and didn't even make it, didn't, my spidey senses didn't tingle at all and I made, made the change, sent the wire out. Thankfully, we were able to stop it. So there was a happy ending to the story. Uh, but one thing I'll never forget for the rest of my life is that, that heart drop feeling. That, that had to... Uh... That had to be devastating. And how long was it before you were able to tell that story and laugh at yourself about it? Well, I, I was able to laugh about it as soon as we were able to stop the wire. Because uh, I remember looking at, at the attorney I worked for at the time and said, what would we have done if that actually went out? And he just looked at me and said, I have no idea. 
so it's nice to be able to breathe the, the sides of the side of relief and uh, also highlight the importance of having an incident response plan before everything is on fire. Um, but I was able to laugh at it shortly after, but then a couple weeks later, I was at a title insurance seminar, woo! and I saw the co-founder of Defendify giving a cyber presentation, and I had one of those moments where I was like, whatever this guy is doing, I need to be a part of this, because I never want anybody to feel the way that I felt in that day. So, you know, I kind of used it to propel me. I sent in my resume an obnoxious number of times in a bunch of different ways, and, you know, kind of hunted him down until he hired me. That uh, that had to be interesting. And so you said you kept sending the resume. Um, that was a few weeks after. So how long was it before you left the real estate company and got hired by Defendify? Um, it was about, I was still working at the real estate company, uh, but then it was about two months or so from when I saw that presentation and uh, they brought me on board. They were still just, you know, really small organization. They, we started off as a cybersecurity consulting company and Glenn, forgive me if you've already went through any of this. Um, and so they were still like in the, the really like, you know, micro business and then, uh, had built the Defendify platform from the cybersecurity consulting practice and taking everything that they were doing, driving all over Maine and going into these actual organizations and doing risk assessments and running scanning tools and training the team. And they had digitized that. So I kind of came in like right at the the ground floor. They didn't even really have a position available yet. So that's why Rob didn't respond to me. And I I just figured it was because he didn't open the attachment with my resume in the first email. So then I submitted it every other way I could think of. All right. Did you you tell him in the letter that you were almost a victim and that's why he should hire you because you could go out and, (laughs) and tell the story from personal experience? Well, if there is one thing that uh, anybody that ever has to work with me will find out is that I am very verbose. So I probably said that and seven other side stories as well, if I remember correctly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what were you going to say, Glenn? Go ahead. Say it. Oh, yeah. No, that's spot on. She's very verbose. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice way to put it. Yep. All right. Um, so let's do this. Um, Shanna, since we can't see you, it'll be interesting and we'll try to make it to where uh, this works out. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening, uh, I will try to clean up the audio as best I can so that Glenn and I sound like we're in a studio and Shanna sounds like she's on the phone. I will see what I can do and make that better. But Shanna, you just, uh, you be as verbose as you need to tonight. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'll let you have time to reconsider that. <laughs> okay. I can't, can't reconsider it. We're, we're live. So here we are. <laughs> here it's we okay. are. I, I will, I will give you a take back seat. Okay. All right. So let me let me uh, say this. So yesterday morning, I was listening to a local radio show, and I don't even know how the conversation got started, but for probably a good two segments worth, they were stuck talking about fishing and the fishing that all of us are used to hearing about, the pH, where somehow somebody started with not responding to emails because 
they just got to the point where if they didn't know the person and there was an attachment, they didn't look at it. They wouldn't open it. They would just automatically delete it. And the radio station started talking about the fact that apparently that became a problem because there was, there was an employee who was deleting emails that were actually from the boss of the radio station. And because the person <laughs> didn't know who the boss was, they were just deleting the emails and they got called in to HR because they were trying to figure out why are you not doing what the owner is asking? And they're like, <laughs> that's how they found out that this, this employee was deleting the emails. And so they were talking about, you know, that's a funny thing because part of cyber education is doing all these phishing tests. And it's not like the phishing tests are going to just come out right out and say, Hey, we're testing you click on this link. So I just found that was an interesting story leading up to our conversation today. Uh, Fishing is one of your modules that you guys do. So let me just ask you, do you guys have any stories like that that you hear about people that as they're doing a phishing test or the reason that they're looking into Defendify is because of something like this? All the time. I mean, business email compromise is uh, on the rise. Phishing emails, ransomware being delivered through that. Uh, I love to give awareness presentations. And one of the things that I always ask is, you know, how many times people have received an email that says, you know, hey, this is Rob. Are you at your desk? I need a favor. Or send me your, your personal cell phone number. Uh, so we, we have a lot of those types of, of situations. A lot of people looking for phishing training. We have a lot of people that are using other uh, services for phishing, but it's kind of a, a manual process. And I always joke and say, they say, you know, oh, I have, you know, such and such a product. And I say, yeah, and uh, I, I have a gym membership. So people definitely are, do not go. <laughs> you don't go. Okay. I was waiting. <laughs> I was waiting for that punchline yeah, to drop. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't use it, but you know, so it's, it's great if you have a phishing tool, but if you're only launching it, you know, once or twice a year or you've, gotten really busy and moved down to quarterly fishing simulations, really you're just getting a new baseline every three months. It's, it's not having the desired effect that it should have. Um, my favorite fishing story is that I have actually failed a fishing simulation before. So uh, I talked to a lot of organizations that try to take, you know, a little bit more of the, the stick approach to fishing. They want to have like a wall of shame or, you know, all these other things. And I say, I eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff all day long, and I haven't failed a fishing simulation. And we're, we're all human. So there's a day where you might come in on a Monday morning under-caffeinated, the kids are screaming in the background, you're under a deadline, you haven't even had coffee, you've still got crusties in your eyes, and you're just trying to get something done, and that's when mistakes happen. So something that I, I know that, I don't know that all insurance companies are doing it, but I know that, there are some companies now that are saying that not only do our clients have to have their security requirements upgraded, their network assessments done, their attestations uh, done, but they're requiring that their third-party vendors, which qualifies as their IT provider, also has to pro- – uh, uh, God. Why am I just going into break fart here? So basically we have to prove that we're compliant also, and we have to go through 
cybersecurity training. We have to do assessments. We have to do phishing tests. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is how many times do you guys have clients come to you that are basically us, IT providers, MSPs, that are like, we don't need the training. <laughs> I, I I would say that I, I get that for sure. <laughs> Um, one of the first things I, I, I go through when I, I bring on a new partner, though, is just explain the importance of protecting yourself first. And, you know, for a lot of reasons, I mean, first of all, it builds credibility. You know, what are you going to tell your client if they ask if you're are, are you doing these things? And if you are like, well, no, we're not doing these things. And, you know, they're going to want to know why they have to do it, but you don't. But I also I think you hit it right on the, the head of the nail there with, you know, cyber insurance companies. Get Shannon's video. I, I don't know. I'm a little nervous to try the video, but is my audio better? <laughs> uh, wow. Um, so I, you know, I think these third-party assessments are again a big driver there, and and you know, it MSP should be doing their due diligence and use, utilizing these tools, doing this training for themselves and their employees as well, uh, not just for credibility, but also protecting themselves. And, you know, as these third-party assessments do start coming across their their desks, you know, they're going to have those things in place and it's not going to, you know, going to affect their clients and, you know, their clients getting their, their cyber insurance. Yep. So, of course, that's one of the things that we're doing. So we, I, I had already gone through an audit earlier this year uh, for one of my clients that, they were saying that, you know, your IT company needs to do this. So we went through all of it and, you know, proved that we're doing it. This was actually HIPAA compliance. So there was a whole bunch of stuff we had to do. Um, although the one thing we did not have was the ongoing awareness training, which we are going to add now, thanks to you guys. So um, very interesting. Uh, Shanna, did you, since you did the switch over, so <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, Shanna has now gone off the phone and back onto the web broadcast here. We we can hear her but not see her, so she's a talking head on the screen. So, Shanna, did you catch my question during the transfer? Um, I did not. <laughs> okay. This is a perfect – this is just a, an embodiment of my life anyway. Like, you know, everything goes sideways. I'm in and out of everywhere. Just, you know <laughs> – why wouldn't it be? All right. Well, rather than catch you up to speed, we're going to move on to the next point. <laughs> that is very fair. Um, why don't we do this? Uh, I heard you talk a while back about going through a digital detox yes. and how that was an eye-opening experience in your cyber awareness. So tell us a little bit about that. I actually had this exact conversation this morning with about a hundred insurance agents and challenged them to go through this themselves. Um, so this, I'm not very good at new year's resolutions. I'm the type of person that gets, you know, part of the way through January before it's back to business as usual. So instead of making a resolution that I know I'm just going to break 
shortly thereafter. Uh, one of the things that I did when I first came into this industry, because I, like many other people, uh, had terrible password habits and all of those other you know, common human behaviors. So coming into this and learning what I know now, I went through a digital detox instead of setting a New Year's resolution. So for an entire year, I just focused on cleaning up my digital life. Uh, I got a password manager set up with multi-factor authentication, 2FA, all the things. Uh, and then I started going through and changing all of my really valuable accounts first. So, you know, setting up my email with a brand new, you know, uh, password that looks like a, a toddler got a hold of a keyboard and just gnawed on it for a little bit. Uh, and then I enabled multi-factor authentication on all of those really important accounts and, and started with kind of like the mission critical ones that I definitely wouldn't want to get into the hands of, of anybody else. And then after that, just periodically, as I came across sites, like, you know, for a while I didn't travel. And then last year I decided I was going to quit Christmas and go scuba diving in Mexico for the holidays. So I was starting to log back into some of my travel accounts that were very very dormant and uh, I would just change all of those passwords as I came across them in my password manager. I also went in and uh, you know unsubscribed from all kinds of emails that I no longer care about or use uh, and just like did this whole digital detox and getting everything in, in tip-top shape. Now did you think that it would take you an entire year to do this and how or and, and if not, how long did it actually take you? For the mission critical accounts, those were done really quickly right off the bat. It was actually a conversation that I had with uh, Rob, our co-founder of the company, immediately. He was like, hey, you know, uh, here's some access to some tools. Uh, you want to do this right away. So all the really important ones, I, I changed them all over. But the I'm actually still coming across old accounts that I didn't even know still had the old you know I, I always use sunshine one two three as an example of that you know really crappy password that you recycle everywhere um so I get real fancy i might add an exclamation point on there uh but i'm, I'm still coming across them surprisingly and from time to time i'll be like oh this is an old one it's not popping up at my password manager like let's let's try the old password oh yeah time to change that one so it was just more about not putting pressure on myself to do it all at once it was just as i came across them. right uh, have you been keeping tally as to how many passwords you had to change? Oh God, I I couldn't even tell you. My my password manager is it's kind of like my phone. I I'm the type of person who has like 14 folders with everything grouped all together. Um, I mean, I'm sure they make medication for it, but I just haven't crossed that bridge yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Glenn. Do you have anything? <laughs> I, it's it's it's. I know. Do you have anything that requires um, medication? <laughs> not yet. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I think detoxing is a great great idea. It's funny that you know you as you told this story. I remember when I first started with Defendify, kind of going through that same process. Like it, it was like a, a light went off, like learning about password keepers and like two FA, and like you can just set all this stuff up so easily. And, you know, I, I, I'd never really had any, any bad like account breaches or anything like that. I think maybe my Facebook was hacked once or something like that. But, you know, as I began to think about it, I'm like, well, there's the possibility that like, I've been, you know, I know I reuse passwords all the time. You know, I, 
used the same one my whole life. I'd just change like a couple numbers and like put an exclamation point on the end, you know, and even at previous employers, I would, you know, require me to update my password like every 30 days and I would change it from a 19 to a 20. And then in 30 days, it let me put it back to 19 and I would just kind of play that game and go back and forth. Uh, But learning about the inherent risks and in the fact that like, just keep having a password keeper in 2FA like significantly reduces the risk of any of your accounts ever being breached um, by most cyber attackers. Like it was kind of a no brainer. Um, and I was, I was reading something. It was like an older article that Microsoft has like 300 million, uh, you know, account, atta- you know, takeover attempts a day. And that 99.9% of those could be eliminated. Uh, you know, account takeovers could be eliminated with just setting up 2FA. And, you know, that 0.01% is just, you know, cyber attackers that have sophisticated means of getting into accounts that can generate codes and stuff like that, I guess. But, um, but it's, it's, you know, super slim. So, um, so yeah, for me, it was kind of a similar, similar detox of slowly, you know, setting accounts up with the 2FA and a password keeper. And like you, Shen, I think I still come across accounts every now and then. Um, you know, I've even gotten my wife to do the same, you know, she was using a password that had her name in it up until I met her. So <laughs> I flew right. to Vegas for a show. And by the time the plane had taken off from the Portland main airport, uh, the woman sitting next to me had already been educated about passwords, downloaded a password manager, set up her initial account and was like ready to rock and roll by the time we were wheels up. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even wait until you were in the air to kind of reach over and say, Hey, how are you? Oh, she started the conversation right away. Like, you know, business or personal. I said, business, what do you do? Cybersecurity. She's like, talk to me about passwords. And I was like, yes. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> All right. I need to ask the two of you, do you know, and I probably didn't ex- explain to you how to look at the comments in the chat you won't be able to respond but you can see we've got people uh chris earlier was the one that asked about the spiked eggnog uh patrick thank you for saying that the audio was more than good enough although we'll see (laughs) when when i go to actually you know publish this we'll see how it is but do you guys know grace or thomas that i don't voh and voi do either of you know what that means? I have no idea what that means. Boy. Okay. Boy. Are we getting podcast bombed? We we might be. <laughs> we might be. I mean, not that my pop podcast is very popular, but, you know, again, a first, you know, if that happens, this is the first time that's happened. So, Shanna, you you have been a you have been a good luck beacon for two first. On um, this show. I'm sorry. Did you say good? <laughs> I think my mic's cutting. I can't. I can't hear. My speakers are going now. Yeah. Is this is this thing on? <laughs> uh, so we'll see. I don't know. It's as long as it's not a link. Um. Oh yeah, click it. I can put the user in timeout. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> put yeah. them. Put put them both in timeout. <laughs> see ya. Um, all right, so we have talked around Defendify, so let's do this. Let's take a break for the news. We did the commercial spot earlier for our presenting sponsor, 
Net Ally and our live stream sponsor, Computers Done Right. But what we have not done is in the news. So I'm sure that most of the world was affected yesterday as the Amazon AWS US East One cloud region went down in North Virginia, disrupting some of Amazon's own applications and a slew of third-party services that rely on AWS. I'm not going to get into all of them, but we know that this is not the first time AWS and its customers have suffered at the hand of technical glitches. So what does this mean for you? Well, it means that you need to start looking more at how to adopt robust disaster recovery and mitigation plans. This might include third-party backups. This might include looking at another alternative to hybrid cloud so that you're not reliant on AWS as your cloud solutions. I myself will be looking at one uh, that I met at ASCII called CAB, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Now, Florida man. I have not done a Florida man story in the last couple of weeks because of time constraints, topic constraints, but I'm doing it tonight, and I have to do it in a way that's a little different than in the past. Usually I ask my guests to pick one or two, and I usually have two separate stories. But tonight, I have four stories, folks, all focused on the same thing. Broward County is where I am living, the city of Fort Lauderdale in Broward County. And this time of year, the Broward County Fair has just finished. So I'm going to read or tell you about four stories. So as the fair was starting, it runs for three weeks, gunfire erupted as two carnival employees and a 90-year-old woman living in a nearby facility were affected by the two men were fighting over a woman. Not the 91-year-old woman, but the two carnival employees were fighting over a female employee and the one carny pulled out a gun, chased the other one, and fired shots. And one of the shots traveled some 300 yards into a nearby senior living facility and struck a resident. So that happened as the fair opened. What also happened is that (laughs) the county fair's banana derby, which is basically monkeys riding dogs, were protested by the Defense for Parkland something. And they basically protested for the fair to stop this, uh, I can't even, this is just ridiculous here. So it's the most popular attraction where monkeys ride dogs dressed as jockeys in satin tops around the bend and down the final stretch with an occasional pit stop for a treat along the way. So that was protested 
and so animal rights activists shut that down. Then they shut down another thing. They shut down a pony ride by Hugo Tom Liebel, a longtime circus owner whose elephant Nosy was confiscated four years ago after being beaten with bull hooks and forced to give rides. So Liebel charged $8 a ride, and animal activists said that they were tipped off by fairgoers concerned about the conditions of ponies and horses and claimed that the animals had to walk in circles for hours while carrying kids and adults on their backs. That happened. And then, of course, the final thing. The Broward County Fair is being ordered to stop using the name Broward County Fair. The original Broward County Fair has operated in Broward since 1976. And a for-profit group formed several years ago with the same name and pays the original group the rights to run it says that they want to change the name because they believe people are being misled because they don't know which fair they're attending. So those are four things that happened here in Florida with the Broward County Fair. I will have links to all four stories. And uh, just another time for Florida. Man. I don't I don't even think Maine can compete. It's, it's, I know I, I went down a, a Florida man rabbit hole today and yesterday. And I'm just like, man, like we don't have anything like that up here in Maine, but um, it was entertaining. Nonetheless, some of the, some of the stories, but yeah, those aren't even the good stories. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll give you guys a chance to respond a little bit later in the show, but let's get back to Defendify. So we, we got on and we started talking about situations and stories and things that we ran into, but let's talk about, let's talk about who Defendify really is and why should we be using them and who'd like to go first. I'll let Shannon start. I I actually think I heard about them in a Reddit thread. I was going to book a demo with them. Can you tell me more? (laughs) Um, we, our, our tagline as a company is all in one cybersecurity. I mean, obviously that we're not entirely everything all in one because a lot of people already have some protections in place. But as I mentioned earlier, if you think about a, what a cybersecurity consultant would come in and do for tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in an engagement, we have the same type of structure. We've just digitized it, we've automated it, and it's all under one roof, one platform, you know, one budget request for your clients. You're not going back every quarterly review and, you know, selling them each single point solution. Uh, and it's automated, so you don't get into that situation where you have a, an awareness training program, but you launch it twice a year, like me going to the gym. Um, and everything from uh, assessments and testing to user training and awareness all the way up through full breach detection and response. So um, I like the fact that it's scalable. So as your client cyber posture grows, their program through the platform can grow as well. Uh, and it's really customizable and automated. Yeah. All right. And there's a ton of different components. So there's several different levels you can get. Um, 
I will say this. I have signed up and I have pretty much done a vulnerability scan for every one of my clients. And I think that's probably one of the quickest and easiest things to do to show them the need for upping their security game. So mm-hmm. um, tell us real quickly, let me go down. So some vulnerability scan, the cybersecurity health checkup, and then you mentioned the awareness training. Which of these things do you think is probably the most important to get started with? I prefer the cybersecurity health checkup. Yeah, I was um, it's, it's kind of like uh, for, for a lot of our partners, they've been saying the same thing to their clients over and over and over again. You know, you, you need this, you need this, you need this. And sometimes they're just getting met with that, like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, sounds complicated and expensive. Um, this is kind of like, you know, a, a backup for all these things that you're saying already. It's, you know, I'm putting your answers and the things that you're currently doing into this you know, completely objective third-party tool based on all of these widely accepted frameworks and it's spitting back to me a letter grade, some compliance mapping, recommendations. So it's not just me, you know, the person who makes money off of your risk or, you know, you just see us trying to sell you some more technology stuff. Uh, this is, you know, a, a third party coming in and saying the same things that I'm coming in. So I love partner success stories where they're like, I told them over and over and over again, they need this. We go through your cybersecurity health checkup and they're like, okay, we should probably do that. And just so that they know, there's actually two cybersecurity checkups that you guys can do. There's a quick one and then there's the big one. Full one. Yeah. The, the, the quick one, I, I like a lot of times our partners will, will utilize that as like a selling tool, kind of cover some of the, some basic stuff. Um, ideally you want to go through that full, full checkup with them. Um, you know, and I, I agree with Shannon. That's the best place to start. It gets you a foot in the door, makes that conversation easy with them because you can show them. I think even if you're dealing with someone that's maybe non-technical and trying to present these solutions to them, uh, it's done so in a way on this this health checkup that's easy for them to understand. There's a letter grade, which we all know what that means. You know, if they know they need to meet, you know, NIST or HIPAA or any of those compliance frameworks that maps to that, you know, which makes it easy for them to see what what they need to do to check those boxes and then, you know, writes out a, a recommendation for those areas where, you know, there are gaps in security, you know, so again, easy for them to see. And, and like Shanna said, again, it's just kind of solidifying what you've already told them in the past. Uh, but now they're able to see it, you know, on a report with a tool, you know, from a third party. And uh, I think that resonates with a lot of clients. And this is something that you can do ahead of, an audit or assessment to kind of prep them and say, look, these are the things that they're going to be looking for. So why don't we start addressing them ahead of time and getting you on board with this? Uh, Would that probably be the best way to utilize that? It's like an SAT prep class. It's not the actual, you know, certification or audit or, or anything like that, but it's, you know, assessing your readiness for something like that if, if that's, you know, a requirement that you have. Um, I also like to, because, yeah, I have legal in my background, so I operate a lot under the, the CYA mentality and... I think it's a great document to be able to have. You can download it in a PDF to just present, or you can download it in a Word document version and then make that a living document so that when you have those 
ongoing conversations with your clients, you can take all of the recommendations, put some notes in about what they said. So if they say, yeah, I understand that that's important, but it's just not something I can swing right now. We're just recovering from the pandemic, you know, whatever it might be, you can work with them and go through, okay, we're going to do this in quarter two of 2022, um, you know, discuss with client, doesn't see it as a risk, whatever that conversation looks like, you've got the documentation and, you know, an ongoing living document of these conversations that you've had. I mean, I hope that you never have a client trying to recoup some losses from a, a data breach, but if they don't have a good cyber insurance policy or they've recently been told they're uninsurable or um, they're going to look to recoup some of those losses in the event of a breach and they're going to immediately go to the person that does their technology. And then you're going to find yourself in a sticky situation where you're explaining to a a non-technical judge or a non-technical jury that, yeah, so there's some computer stuff that I do that's covered and some cyber stuff that's not covered. And no, I cannot help you set up your iPhone. (laughs) So let me ask the the question that I know somebody's going to ask and somebody probably has already asked you guys. But is there a chance that companies will try to use this health checkup as their audit? I mean, you could try. Uh, we do see some companies, uh, depending on one of the, the big driving factors that we're seeing right now, I, I never thought three years ago when I joined Defendify that uh, it would be cyber insurance that would be you know, making people scramble to put implement additional controls in place, but grateful for that. Um, If they're getting questionnaires from their cyber insurance provider or they're getting third-party vendor risk assessments, you know, the large enterprise organizations are getting really smart since Target and all the other ones. So if they're getting slapped with those 17-tab Excel spreadsheets about their cyber posture, what controls they have in place, a lot of the times there's, uh, you know, kind of like quick workaround if it's, have you done a recent risk assessment and will you provide that? So a lot of people use the Defendify Cybersecurity Health Checkup to say, yes, we've done a recent risk assessment. Here it is. Um, And that way they don't have to go through all 17 tabs of the Excel doc. All right. Well, the reason I asked that is because I have upgraded two of my clients because their insurance company said, you need to do these things if we are going to renew your cybersecurity insurance and you know, one of those things is an audit or whatever, but I've made them pay other companies to do it. Whereas now I could probably at least do some of that using the Defendify tools. Yeah. As long as it's like a, an assessment and they're not, you know, trying to have like a, you know, SOC 2 auditor right. or a CMMC auditor or something like that come in, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is not going to be for my HIPAA clients or anything like that. This will be for, I've got, you know, some clients that they really don't have compliance, but they want to get security. So, you know, the vulnerability scan is something that I can use to test against their firewall and their website to make sure that they're protected. Um, getting them uh, some of the other modules that you've got in here where you can actually do um, the... The stolen password scan teaser tool is a really fantastic one because you're not completely spilling the jelly beans in the lobby by giving them like a full list of every compromised password they've ever had in clear text, which I've heard from a lot of partners has not gone over very well. It's like a fart in church, like showing somebody their clear text password that you don't, you know, like, well, like, how do you have that? That's weird. Um, So it piques the curiosity enough because you can run somebody's email address and it will give you how many 
dark web hits for that particular email and the time since their most recent exposure, like individually. And then it also gives the entire domain. So I might only have, you know, three hits on my business email. And the most recent one was six months ago. But when I run my entire domain, I might have 129. And the most recent compromise was a week ago. So it peaks it just enough for them to go, well, how do I find out what that 129 is? Well, let me show you. Exactly. Exactly. That's the first report. And then we also give you ongoing monthly credential monitoring. So, you know, Marvin, that personal email address that you had compromised six months ago, you're not going to find out about it six months down the road because gosh only knows what they've done in six months since that compromise. You're going to know about it immediately and be able to go in and change it. Yeah. So let me kind of do a sidebar here because we, we brought up insurance and that has probably been the biggest boom for us in the last six months is these insurance companies doing this. Uh, you guys have had to address that a lot recently. I know that you've had a blog or actually a few different blogs, but one of them was titled why you could be denied cyber insurance policy coverage. Um, you've had a couple of, uh, I don't know if they're webinars or stuff where you've talked about the perfect storm for cyber insurance. So what's, what's the landscape looking like uh, for you guys in cyber insurance? It's definitely a hardening of the market, which I think is a good thing. Uh, before there were, some of these cyber insurance providers were just saying like, okay, uh, you know, how many locations do you have? How many employees do you have? What's your annual revenue? Here's a, here's a policy, uh, which they have, you know, 70% loss ratios, a, a lot of the big insurance providers recently. So they're starting to go, oh, this is not a profitable line of business. A lot of them have even stopped carrying the cyber liability coverage. So I think the hardening of the market is necessary. I like the fact that it's a, um, you know, a, a contributing factor here. I look at it much like my car insurance. So if I'm, you know, not taking precautions to be a good driver day to day, if I, you know, don't drive somewhere around the speed limit, wear my seatbelt, if I get in the car half in the bag and drive down the highway the wrong way with my headlights off, yeah, I'm probably going to expect that I'm going to have an accident at some point. So I should be taking these precautions. Um, and I like the fact that it's a, a driver right now because um, they're just taking small steps to reduce their risk instead of just you know, relying solely on a cyber policy if something, when something does go sideways. I mean, we've talked to customers that had a, a ransomware incident, called their cyber insurance provider on day one, and their network was still down for a month. We've talked to companies where it took two weeks for a representative from the, you know, forensic and investigation team provided by the cyber insurance provider to even fly up to, you know, Maine and, and do an investigation for them. I know a couple of those. Uh, one of my uh, partners, I guess, um, in the community, a cohort, um, had to deal with a situation where one of his clients were down for a month. Uh, because of a ransom attack, my stepson, his company, they're just a packaging company. You know, they create the boxes and stuff and all of that. They were down for almost two weeks uh, over a cyber attack. And it's just amazing the impact that uh, these things are having. And, you know, I don't know, you know, I haven't asked them about, you know, who paid for stuff or things like that, but those are the things that the insurance companies are looking at saying, look, we, we can't pay for everything um, unless you guys are protecting yourselves. 
Yeah, and, and nor nor should they. You know, it, you can't really be expecting to not take any kind of precautions and then just rely solely on that that cyber policy. Um, we've also seen situations where people thought they had a cyber policy, but really all they had was just a, a, a like a rider on their general E and O, or um, yeah, they they did not. Uh, they were left holding the bag a little bit in, in that right. situation. We do have a, a comment here that says, any thoughts on what makes a good cyber insurance policy or what makes a bad one? Yeah, I was going to um, ask you, do, I mean, because I don't know if you guys get asked that question, but I'm sure you have experience in dealing with it. So what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of this goes back to, as we talked about earlier, with the risk assessment and going through the cybersecurity health checkup, um, I don't think you can start really any kind of cybersecurity discussion without first kind of identifying all the W's and the you know H. If you don't know what you're trying to protect and you don't know who you're trying to protect it from and how they would likely come for that type of information and how much trouble you're willing to go through to protect that, it's very difficult to start thinking about a cyber insurance policy. So you know, putting the cart before the horse, you want to make sure that you've done either for yourself or for your clients, kind of that, even just a basic threat modeling exercise to, to identify what you're protecting and from whom and how they've come there. Then you've got really good questions to be able to ask that provider. So if you've identified that, you know, business email compromise, phishing attacks are a common threat or something that's likely to impact your client or yourself, um, then you've got questions to be able to ask that underwriter or that insurance agent specific scenarios. You want to make sure if one of my employees falls for an email that says that I'm traveling and asks them to send out a hundred thousand dollar wire and they do it, like, will this will this policy cover it? Um, ransomware exclusions. You know, you want to go through those particular scenarios that you've outlined in that threat modeling exercise and say, you know, what does the coverage look like for this? Um, there's also, especially in the you know MSP space, and then depending on who your clients are working with, you want to look at not only first party coverage, but also third-party coverage as well. Um, and I know there's a lot of like, you know, specific tech policies for MSPs and service providers. You want to make sure that you're getting the right kind of policy. Yes. And that goes for us as MSPs as well. That was, again, we got our cybersecurity insurance two years ago and had to go through a nice process. And we actually upgraded it last year to cover us because of our exposure to our clients. And uh, I think I was, if you see me looking up here, I was trying to look at, because I actually have it posted up there. So ours is a $2 million policy that we have. And uh, yeek. Awesome. Now the cyber attackers know exactly how much to extort you for. Mm -hmm. They're actually going in, like in, in ransomware situations and looking for your details of your cyber insurance policy. So they know like what your coverage limits are and how to like just snake right in under that limit so that it makes you know, more sense that the insurance company says, yeah, we'll just cut our losses and pay it, um, you know, compared to the other potential damage. So they're getting smart. They're looking, it's equal parts fascinating yeah. and terrifying so to me. Stop sending PII out over uh, unencrypted email, uh, encrypt your data, uh, in motion and a, that I want you what? <laughs> and it says, I said, I found this t-shirt that I really want that says dance like no one's watching encrypt as if everyone is really. So where did you see the t-shirt and why didn't you just go ahead and buy it? 
because I don't remember where I saw it. <laughs> remember the first 20 minutes of this call? Do I? <laughs> I'm a hot mess, you know? I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to figure Let out how I can... Clients, <laughs> All right. Um, Shana, Shana, Banana. Um, <laughs> yes, Uncle Marv. You have a phrase that I heard you say, eat your own cooking. Yes. I like that better than eat your own dog food because I don't know anybody who eats their own dog food. No. <laughs> um, but I, I think that everybody should kind of be doing, like, they should be practicing what they preach. I mean, I've, I've had calls with partners where, you know, they're, they're typing the same, like, you know, dog's name, birth year, password in, you know, for when they're setting up their initial login to Defendify. And I'm going, Ugh, you should probably be doing what you tell your clients to do. Um, also, if I told you guys like, oh, Glenn and Marvin, I've got this amazing multivitamin and you should definitely try it out. You're going to feel amazing. You're going to have so much energy. You're going to be bouncing off the walls. Your mind's going to be as sharp as it was when you were 20. And you were like, oh, I'm really, really interested in this. Um, do you take it? And I was like, oh, oh, no, 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 I don't no, I don't take it. How much confidence would you have in that? I was going to say, you know, I should have you on my healthy living podcast if that were true. But now that you don't take it, eh, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm probably the last person you want on a, a healthy living podcast. Really? <laughs> yes. Okay. I will be having Chardonnay for dinner after this. Maybe that'll be a post-show thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Glenn, let me get back to you. And before we have to end off here, I wanted to ask you, um, so we've, you know, Glenn and I have been, how many conversations we had in the last two weeks, like four or five, I think like four uh, or five. Yeah. It has been a, uh, I should say one of the most interesting onboardings that I've done. And one of the most involved hands-on and good conversation also. Um, you made a comment that kind of stuck with me that I was probably one of the few or the most prepared in doing this onboarding. It's, I just had to ask you, how, is that really true? Uh, you know, I, I, there's a spectrum. Um, so I'm on the high yeah. spectrum. <laughs> you're on the high spectrum. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, what makes a, a good onboarding is, you know, if you're seriously looking at a tool as a solution, like what, what are you waiting for? You know, right out of the gates, you should be implementing it with your clients and utilizing the tools in there. That's why you got started. I think, you know, if, if an onboarding does kind of go a little bit more slowly, it's just, you know, maybe they're just afraid to have, like, they're overthinking it, you know, well, I have to have a conversation with the clients first and then, they have to give me the okay to do this. And I'm like, well, you know, what, what's stopping you from doing the cybersecurity health assessment right out of the gates for them? That's something you should be doing anyway. Um, that'll uncover needs and maybe it opens up that conversation. So you can start utilizing some of the other tools with your client. Um, but yeah, right, right out of the gates, you, you know, before we even really had a chance to begin onboarding, you were putting clients in there, familiarizing yourself with the platform and um, it kind of allowed us to focus on, on kind of the important details of, of being successful right out of the gates. So, um, so yeah, no, you, you definitely made, made my job a little bit easier. So. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Among other things. So let's, uh, 
<laughs> Let's do this. Uh, we um, we need to start to wrap up the show here, but I want to let people know um, defendify.com and go there and check them out. There is some free things that people can do. So it's not like you're going to have to sign up and do a trial and it's only for 14 days. Uh, tell us what we can do for free and uh, get ourselves entrenched in Defendify. Yeah, right out of the gates, you can sign up for our essentials package, which is three of our tools that you can use ongoing. It's not a, a time frame set on that. Uh, but that includes our cybersecurity health checkup, which is a comprehensive questionnaire that we talked about. It maps to NIST and GDPR and HIPAA. Um, you know, it gives you a letter grade and shows you where you stand on on a lot of different areas. Uh, you get a vulnerability scan for one external IP, and that's ongoing, you know, one a month. And then also you can uh, get our threat alerts, which are aggregated news articles, you know, of the, you know, ongoing threats that are out there in cybersecurity. And, uh, yeah, if you go to defendify.com and look for essentials, um, you can just plug in some basic information, get your login and start using it right away. And you said that there's no timetable on that. You can keep it forever. <laughs> uh, the, the hope though, is that you see the value in those three tools and want to learn more about the others. And, um, you know, a lot of times the progression is, you know, you start with the essentials, you like what you see and you want to learn more. So you set up a demo uh, or you can go the other way and set up a demo and then sign up for the essentials to try it and then decide that you do want to move forward with uh, with using more of the tools. All right. Or you can just look at everything on the website and then like, you know, a year and a half will pass. And then all of a sudden you have a client that needs a penetration test yesterday and then you'll call us. The other. That happens. <laughs> that happens. Too. That happens. Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, you know, I, I, just out of the blue, someone I talked to a year ago. Yeah, I think we're ready. I'm like, all right, let's let's do this. Okay. Well, yeah. I can say that I'm already, like you said, utilizing a lot of the stuff. Um, there's there's a ton of stuff in here, folks. So if you go and sign up, do the free stuff first. But there are what's it, thirteen total tools in here that people can use. Um, lucky number 13 lucky 13 <laughs> yeah kind of like you coming on the podcast right shanna <laughs> yes exactly 13 minutes late <laughs> and but yes i love i love our free tools because it's like it's not a super huge high pressure sales pitch we're not going to put you into like a you know soul crushing 82 year contract or, or anything like that we want to continue to earn your business on an ongoing basis and i always say to people that free is my second favorite four letter word that starts with f so that makes it even better and on that note well the first one's food by the way <laughs> oh for inquiring minds yes Okay, I, Glenn, you didn't know that. Uh, that yeah, that's embarrassing. I was my mind went elsewhere. So. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, free food done. Oh, free food. That's yeah. a double F. Yep, double F. <laughs> Speaking of F, what about Florida man? Do we get to Florida man now? You want to get to Florida man? Let's get to Florida man. Yes. You guys. So this is uh. This is this is probably a first. I've never had two people more excited to challenge Florida Man than you two. So, what you got? Glenn, you're first. 
I'm first. I, I, hopefully, it's not the same one. So it won't be. I guarantee but, it. Yeah. So it, it it was a little bit of a tricky one, but you know, it's probably one of the most bizarre stories, in my opinion, to come out of Maine. And it's it, it happened like five years ago. But there's guy Christopher Knight at 1986 decides he's just going to fall off the face of the planet, disappears. His parents don't even report him as missing. Um, nobody ever hears from him again. All the meanwhile, for years in this area around this this lake area, just north of where I live, um, every year there are just these bur- burglaries and you know camps that are maybe left over the winter that people you know from out of state have. You know they'd come back and they would notice things missing, food in the pantry missing, and sure enough, you know that there was a like a lake meeting, you know, with all the, the people that live around the lake and. You know, they took a poll of if anyone had been broken into and 75 out of the 100 people had been broken into at some point throughout the year. So literally, it, it became kind of a legend, you know, of this, you know, something was going on in the area. Uh, but then back in like 2015, um, someone reported a strange man breaking into one of the summer camps and they caught this guy, Christopher Knight, and apparently for 27 years, he had had no interaction with people, hadn't spoken a word to someone, had been living in the woods in a homemade like tarp lean-to type thing through the middle of Maine winters, solely surviving on uh, the things that he could steal from from camps. You know, he'd steal propane tanks, he would steal food, obviously, supplies, and they they finally caught him. And uh, I think he did like seven months in jail. And uh, I'm not sure what he's up to now, but just to me, kind of one of the most bizarre stories of, of anyone in Maine, just true hermit. They, they, they actually it's called say, the North, North, North Pond Hermit. I was going to say, that's the, the, I looked it up here, North Pond, North Pond Hermit documentary uh, that they're putting together seven years after his capture. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Of course, someone's making a documentary, right? Of course. You got to, I mean... Come on, we have Tiger King. Come on. <laughs> you know, I am extremely grateful for Tiger King because I lived by myself in the beginning of the pandemic and in a tiny little apartment. I was starting to go really stir crazy. So uh, that kind of kept me sane for like, I don't know, two days while I binge watched it. Uh, and then all the memes that came out after just kept me thoroughly entertained after that. So I was very, very grateful. Um so I'll uh, I'll share the uh, my article. So I figured that Glenn was probably going to take like the one halfway decent main man story that we have, and we live in different parts of the state because we're a you know fantastic distributed workforce. So I'm like, you know, a, a stone's throw over to New Hampshire, and you know, Glenn's up writing policy in the state capital. So I go a lot. Just just a you know hop skip and a jump over the border into Dover, New Hampshire, because I grew up on like you know a border town. I go down to a pinball bar down there and play all the time because you know Adam's family for life. And I went to college down in Washington D.C. And a lot of my friends really didn't even know where Maine was. So <laughs> one of them was asking like what the the closest like you know bigger city that I lived by was so i said dover new hampshire so she googled dover new hampshire and the very first thing that popped up was a an article about um 
It starts off, says it was a definitely a low-tech, low-speed attack, police say. Stephen W. Coleman, 37 at the time, this is a while ago, allegedly threw two Molotov cocktails made from Budweiser beer bottles, gasoline, and rags at his ex-girlfriend's house Saturday night, according to Foster's Daily Democrat newspaper of Dover, New Hampshire. Rest in peace, Foster's. Neither bomb exploded. The rags never caught fire, a crucial part of making a Molotov cocktail, and it gives you a search for that, which I find entertaining. Uh, But the gas fumes stank up the street so badly that two neighbors had to go to the hospital. Dover police quickly showed up to find Coleman calmly smoking a cigarette nearby, a third beer bottle in his jacket pocket. A police cruiser flipped on its lights and Coleman gunned the engine of his riding lawnmower. The leisurely chase wound over several streets of the New Hampshire town until a second cruiser blocked off the lawnmower's escape. In addition to the third bottle, the report didn't specify whether it held gasoline or the original Budweiser. Coleman was found to be wearing rubber gloves and carrying a book of matches. Police booked him on charges of resisting arrest, reckless conduct, and disorderly conduct. He was also slapped with criminal trespass for violating an order barring him from city housing authority property. All right. That, so uh, that is my, that my works. Man. That works. Um, the only thing I have to say is that you guys had to go back years. Yeah. They're, they're not current. We, we did we years did, yeah. to find this stuff. You do a search for Florida man and you can get five to six stories a day. Yeah. Give us a break, Marvin. We just got print news up here, okay? Right, and we're, we only have about a million people here, you know? So just by sheer numbers, you're likely to have more knuckleheads down there than we do up here, so... Well, we have what, not been blessed by by Johannes Gutenberg in the invention of the printing press. It's just now making its way up to me. <laughs> well, you know what happened is we have so many of you people coming down to Florida... Um. Yes, it's like our uh, convict colony. We sent them <laughs> away. It's the new Australia. Uh, all right. So, uh, John, hello, sir, is uh, our patron that is sponsoring our live feed. Just uh, asked about the link for your services. I have put those in the chat for both the YouTube and the Facebook. Defendify.com. Head over there. Uh, sign on the get a demo. And again, You don't have to purchase anything right away. Do the free services, get your fill, see what you can do. And uh, I think it'll be a good addition to your stack. I've certainly added it to mine. Uh, We're not going to talk cost, but uh, very cost effective. Well, the free stuff, yes. (laughs) John said, did you call them you people? Yes. Festivus is coming up, so. Festivus for the rest of us. (laughs) I do have a Festivus sweater, so I think that's, like, slightly cooler than the um, dances if no one's watching in in cryptos if they all are. And Del Boca Vista is not far from me, so come on down. Yes. Is there good scuba diving down there? Because I'm in. Yeah, we got that, too. We got it all Next here. Time I'll in just come to the studio. Then I won't have technical difficulties and be late. Yes, you. Yes, here's. Yes, this will be an invitation <laughs> to come down, do an in-studio podcast with me here, and uh, things will be fine. She'll Rob, find a way. Right? She'll find a way to be late or not be able to get over there. She'll. <laughs> she'll be stuck Her at the Uber beach. I guess that's yeah, what happens. She's <laughs> stuck at the beach. <laughs> I was attacked by a shark. And then you'll be the Florida man story. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, I just want to tell uh, Chris Webb about the spiked eggnog. Um, I just learned a couple weeks ago, thank you, Kat Freeman, about Coquito, which is a Puerto Rican eggnog, and it's um, amazing. Oh. 
Yes. We definitely need to talk about that, but we are going to do that in the post show. So let's go ahead and end off the official podcast now. If you are watching, uh, stay with us through the break here, and we will come back and chat about all that. Again, thank you for listening, watching, downloading, and subscribing to the show. You have been listening to PodNuts Pro with my new best friends, Shanna and Glenn, success managers at Defendify, something that everyone should look to add to their stack. Any last words, folks, before we end off? Shanna doesn't have any last words. <laughs> she's probably she's probably drinking. That's probably, we can't see her. No, you told me I have to wait until the post show. Oh, okay. Well, I'm then, up and loaded though. I'm ready. I'm well, ready. Then let's get on to the post show, folks. Thank you very much for uh, watching again and or listening. Remember, two more shows before we end off this year. Next week, Kramer Snugs. Uh, great conversation we're going to have with him. And December 22nd, the final show of the year, our holiday podcast party. I uh, can't tell you who's going to be on. We're going to have probably five, six, or seven so guests. And that will be a show where we will have some eggnog, some Christmas music, and we will chat and hang out and reminisce about a great year here on PodNuts Pro. I thank you all for your support. We'll be back real soon with another show. But until then, got to find the closing video. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Until then, Here, let me find it for you. <laughs> Holla.